morning, ECF. It's uh, lovely to be able to speak to you again uh, from my home in this extended time of our lockdown period. I don't know how long it's uh, going to continue for. But in the meantime, we'll continue with our recorded messages and hope you are blessed by it uh, Sunday by Sunday. As I said, we've been doing a series now of uh, the attributes or the character of God over a number of weeks. And we looked at that in the book of Exodus as we followed the people of Israel from Egypt through the wilderness and eventually onto the promised land and uh, the happenings in the wilderness and how God has revealed himself and his character to them at different uh, stages and at different times through their travels through the wilderness. God has not changed. Our situation has certainly changed. The world has changed. The world has changed dramatically over the last number of months. But how awesome it is that the way God revealed himself in the book of Exodus almost uh, 4,000 years ago, he's still the same God and we can still relate to him in the same way. That is what holds us and keeps us that God hasn't changed. There were a number of God's attributes that particularly gives us hope and peace over, uh, in the, during these times. We've looked at uh, God as a personal God, a God at this time who is personal. It's uh, is, uh, wonderful to be able to have a relationship, to be able to talk to him, pray to him, and know that he's there because he's also the God who is ever-present, uh, present everywhere. And because he's present everywhere, he's also with us at all times, and we can relate to him. He's also an all-powerful God. He can do anything that he wants to do. A sovereign God. He's in total control. That gives us peace in a time like this. And he knows everything. He knows my situation. He knows your situation uh, at all times. Because he's all-knowing and also all-present. Uh, he's everywhere and with us. How comforting are these thoughts or these characters of God, especially in the times that we are going through? We've learned so much about God over the last few weeks in the different uh, messages. But my prayer is really that uh, what we've learned about God will not just be an intellectual study. It will just say we've learned a lot about God, but it has actually changed the way we live. We've changed our relationship with God. It's changed our dependence on Him uh, on a daily basis. Uh, where we get our security from, where we get our wisdom from, our knowledge and insight, um, how we spend the time with him because he's with us uh, all the time. Um, how do we relate to him as a personal God? Do we make uh, use of that regularly? If it's only been an intellectual study uh, and it hasn't gone to our heart and changed our behavior, it's actually we've missed the point and uh, we need to go back to these characteristics and pray that God will really touch our hearts and that these characteristics of God will really be meaningful to us in our daily lives. Today we're going to go to Exodus chapter 34 and our verses will be from 6 to 7 where God reveals himself as a merciful and gracious God, steadfast love. Uh, but we're not going to read that or relate to that uh, verse right now. Before we go into the verse, I want to just give a little bit of a background here again, almost recap where we are in the history of the people of Israel at the moment. 
and we'd go back right to chapter 19. <clears throat> the children uh, of Israel have left uh, Egypt from slavery. They've gone through the Red Sea. Now they've just arrived at the foot of, the, of Mount Sinai. Um, God has, uh, starts speaking to them in a very real way and very regularly. And Moses, uh, when they camp there, he goes to the foot. Uh, God comes down of the mountain. God comes down in a cloud. And he speaks to Moses to speak to the people uh, on a daily basis and uh, relates to them. Moses relates to them everything that God wants them to know. And we come in uh, chapter 20, and uh, one of the first things that God wants the people of Israel to know and to emphasize to them is there in verse 1 to 4, where God says, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness or any of anything. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I am the Lord your God. I am a jealous God. We move then on to chapter 24. Um, and for the first time, God calls Moses now up to the mountain, uh, Mount Sinai, to give him the Ten Commandments uh, on the tablets, to write it on the tablets. Um, before Moses goes up onto the mountain, the people promises Moses and he reassures Moses in chapter 24 when they said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. And in verse 18, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. That's the period of time and we, that he was there. And he spent quite a bit of time and God spoke to him a lot of things because we move on to chapter 32 now. That's uh, from 24 to 32. And uh, Moses has been now on the mountain almost 40 days. And we read in verse 1, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down, from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has happened to him or become of him. And he received gold a few verses later from their hand and fashioned it with graving tools and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of of Egypt. So what has just happened here? In the absence of Moses, they forget. They forget their promises to God, that they will be obedient, that they will do everything that God has said. They forget Moses, then they forget God. They start doubting and they follow their own heads and their desires. They disobey God, they rebel and they sin against God. They couldn't have insulted God more in any other way. The first thing that God has said to them um, was, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And he said, you shall have no other gods before me and you must not make a carved image. And that's exactly what they go and do because they said, oh, what's happened to this Moses? He's not coming back. The question now is that how could they do such a thing? After all that God has done, taken them through, out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, provided for them in many, many wonderful ways. Moses up not even 40 days, or just about 40 days on the mountain, and they forget all that, those things and they forget it. Are we not often like that before we get too critical on uh, the people of Israel? 
It starts often with forgetting in our own lives or taking our focus off our Lord and Saviour and making for ourselves counterfeit gods. And they say counterfeit gods, an idol is anything that is bigger, uh, has a bigger priority in our lives or takes up more time than God. And we often must confess that we, uh, even, even as believers, have these things in our lives, our careers, financial security, fame, money, gaining acknowledgement from people, entertainment, just spending time in entertainment, uh, sport, and so on. These are a lot of the idols that we do have in our own lives as we <clears throat> live our lives and often uh, can take our focus off uh, our Savior or just uh, become cold and forget. And if that sounds like the past, because we're living in a very, very different society, all those idols that we've had have gone out the windows, how are we doing today? Uh, we find ourselves now almost the same as the people of Israel. We're now about 40 days since we've last uh, met as a church. And um, yeah, we, we have no fellowship with each other. The, the uh, leaders uh, are not visible. We try and communicate and so on, but there's been... Uh, no meeting together. It's that we've been, most of us have been on our own or just with our families uh, during uh, this time. We've had lots of time on hand. How have we spent uh, this time? If you remember, right, our first uh, recorded message that um, um, Michael gave us, he said, um, spend time in the Word, equip yourself, um, have uh, fellowship with other believers, um, uh, and uh, Read, pray, use the time to, to strengthen yourself spiritually. Or have we just vegetated in front of the TV? Have we um, made idols of the TV of entertainment, just been lax in our, our time? Have we concentrated more on what people say about what's going on around us and that what God says and that He's in control and getting our peace and comfort uh, from God? The golden calf could be anything. Uh, that we're making, watching movies, entertaining ourselves in this time and um, not focusing uh, on God. We are very hard on the Israelites uh, for forgetting God or because Moses was gone and just going on with their lives and making a golden calf. But if we are honest with ourselves, we often fall uh, short too and fail and need to be reminded of God's mercy and grace. God's response when he uh, told Moses of what was going on uh, down below while they were still on the mountain, uh, God said in chapter 32, Now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt? with great power and with mighty hand. God, uh, Moses pleads with God to, uh, to not destroy the, the people. And we see Moses coming down and the consequences of the behavior of the Israel was uh, twofold. Firstly, the, the Levites were given instruction to take up the sword uh, and go uh, from gate to gate throughout the camp and each of them to kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And then a few verses later we see, uh, see that the Lord sent a plague on the people because they made the calf the one that Aaron made. 
Many people died uh, in those days, but many also um, survived a similar situation we find ourselves in, and we'll expand on that a little bit more. I don't want to go into it at this stage about how God dealt with it, uh, but we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit later. Why did some die and some were spared here? Um, why didn't everybody just die at the hand of God because they all sinned? But wait a little bit, we're going to deal with that uh, later on. Then God calls Moses back up under the mountain. He takes, <coughs> sorry, he takes some more uh, tablets to two tablets and God rewrites the Ten Commandments. And the first thing that God tells Moses when he gets to the top of the mountain for the second time, he says, and now we get into our verses for, uh, for today, uh, where God reveals himself. He says in, in Exodus 34 verse 6, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. <clears throat> God revealed himself now as a merciful God and a gracious God because of his love. Um, his steadfast love. God must have revealed himself in that way um, for many years after that to come because we often read in the Psalms uh, the psalmists uh, relating to God in that same way. Uh, we read in Psalm 86 verse 15 But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. <clears throat> As we go through these uh, verses and unpack this a little bit. Uh, just three points that I'm going to uh, deal with. Firstly, that we understand the difference between mercy and grace. Just a short explanation. Secondly, um, how does God display His mercy and grace today uh, to the unbeliever and the believer? And then thirdly, uh, very shortly, um, how should we respond as believers to God's uh, mercy and grace? Now, point number one is just the difference between uh, mercy and grace. <clears throat> Both of them has to do with the kindness and the compassion of God. They, those characters of God, uh, characteristics of God, uh, are found find in both mercy and grace. Mercy is often spoken of in the context of God not punishing us as our sins deserve. The Bible says uh, in Romans. Uh, 3 verse 23, we all have sinned. And the result of that sin is that we all deserve death in Romans 6 verse 23. And that uh, death is eternal death, which is uh, eternal judgment in the lake of fire and away out of the presence of God. So that is what every person and every unbeliever, every person deserves in this world. But um, if a righteous and just and holy God is all... Um, give us all that we deserve, um, we would all be right now condemned for all eternity. So that is what we deserve right now because of our sinfulness that God will uh, destroy us, punish us and uh, send us to eternal separation away from Him right now. But God shows His mercy by not punishing us as we uh, deserve. Grace basically is, carries the idea of giving a gift, a favor that we also do not deserve. Um, mercy is not giving us what we do deserve. Grace is giving us something that we do not deserve. Grace is simply defined as unmerited 
or undeserved favor. God does not owe us anything, anything good or anything at all. And yet he blesses us with so much. The uh, parable of the prodigal son is a very good example of mercy and grace coming together. In Luke 15 we read about the uh, son that uh, claims half his inheritance. He rejects the father, despises the father. He leaves him. He leaves the household where he lived uh, <clears throat> uh, in love uh, with uh, in the household of the father. He goes to a foreign land and we know how he declines, declines until he repents and goes back to the father. And the father shows him mercy by not punishing him but also a lot of grace by putting a robe on him a ring on his finger and uh, uh, sandals on his feet and uh, uh, slaughters the fattened calf and has a feast on his behalf and there we see in that that parable coming together the mercy shown and the grace of the, the father how does God display his mercy and grace to us today um, and why does he show mercy and grace firstly to the unbeliever um, and the verses that I just felt would be summing up God's mercy and grace the best possible way is what Paul wrote in uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and I'm going to read these verses and look out for the words uh, mercy grace and love all come together there but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. By grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Here the mercy of God is shown to us to salvation. And the key words here is that we find is together with Christ, with Him, with Him, in Christ Jesus, in Christ uh, Jesus again in the verse. Okay. Everything God does is either in Christ or together with Christ in these verses. And we'll see now now why that is so important that we emphasize that. Because there are two points that I just want to make about mercy. There's the, the love, the heart of God that is in love, reaches out to us and shows us mercy and grace. But God can't act contrary to his character. God is a just God um, and he's a righteous God. He can't tolerate sin. He can't let sin come into his presence. So the, the sin aspect uh, has to be dealt with first uh, before his love can show mercy. Those two come together and we, they can't go independently because God's character is in total. He can't do one thing that is against uh, with one side of his character but against another part of his character. So if we look at uh, sin, we must go to the legal aspects, uh, the legal requirements. Yeah. If you get to a, a court of law, and somebody has done something wrong, either the judge punishes that person and he has to suffer for what he's done wrong, or he must pay for it, or pay a fine or something, or somebody else must pay on, on his behalf. And this is what we find in, in, in these verses in, in Ephesians. 
God has had His, His great love towards us. He wants to uh, for, show us mercy, forgive us our sins, and show us all this grace because of His great love. But His righteousness and justice stands in that way. And that's why it's important in these verses that today Christ is emphasized here, what He has done. God has paid the price for our uh, sin uh, through giving His the ultimate price, His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and those things come together in there. And there's another verse, a very well-known verse, that really sums it up so beautifully, that uh, puts the love of God and the justness of God and the two character parts together in our salvation. And that, uh, you could have guessed, is John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world, the quality of His love, that He gave His only Son, He paid the price, that whoever believes in Him should not perish mercy, but have eternal life, grace. So love, um, the cost of that uh, love, of the shame that mercy, the price to be paid, uh, mercy shown, grace shown, is all part of, of that. You know, we've got a, a wonderful advantage over the Old Testament uh, people. You read the Psalms and almost 100% of the times when God's love is referred to, it's uh, referred to steadfast love, almost covenantal love. Love of God is always there, they can, uh, they can rely on it, God loves them, and that is something that um, was all through the Psalms, as I said, and, uh, and no doubt to them. But we're looking back at the cross, we're in a wonderful position that we can actually see the quality of that love uh, uh, of the Lord Jesus, and we never have to doubt when we go through tough times about the love of God because we look at the cross and God so loved the world that He gave. What a privilege it is to not only uh, refer to God as one with steadfast love, but that one that so loved us that He gave His Son. And that should just fill our hearts with uh, gratitude and love uh, and uh, worship to, to our, our God. I want to get back to that um, point that I made earlier on about uh, when they made the golden calf and God uh, punished some of them, or we see it as punishment. Uh, we can look at it other ways as well, with a plague and with a sword. And immediately our mind goes to what's happening in the world today. And the question will be asked, how can a merciful and gracious and loving God put the world through such suffering? And we see a lot of suffering today. And people, the first thing that people will say is, you know, where is God now? You know, does that fit in with a merciful and gracious uh, God? And I wanted to make this point and say it is because of His love and His mercy um, that He could show mercy and grace. It's because of His love and uh, mercy and grace that this is happening in the world. Let me explain. <clears throat> If you look at the total population of the world, the amount of people that are dying and struggling with, with COVID is a very, very small uh, number of people. It's almost as if God is speaking to the world. He loves the world. He wants to show mercy. And he wants to uh, show His uh, grace. But the world is rejecting Him. They've made up their own mind who God is, if they even think of a God. He's a loving God, 
that will not judge them, that will let them into heaven while they go on with their own lives thinking that they're basically good but rejecting God and having their own counterfeit gods. And God wants to speak to the world, the world that is lost and rejected him. And he wants to show mercy and love. So he speaks very loudly to the world. And God is speaking very loudly. It hasn't spoken like this for a very, very long time. And I think C.S. Lewis has, has summed it up in a saying of his that is very, very well known. I'll read the, the quote from C.S. Lewis. We can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God is using his megaphone, certainly, to rouse a deaf world, to return to him, to come to him, to repent, to open their deaf ears to his call, that he wants to show mercy and grace. And if we can doubt God's love in this time, uh, another quote by Charles Spurgeon, also quoted in a time when the world was going through difficult uh, tests and uh, stresses. He says, yes, Charles Spurgeon, quote, God is too good to be unkind, and he is too wise to be mistaken. And when we can't trace his hand, we can trust his heart. We don't have to trust or distrust God or doubt God that he really loves us when we don't know what he's doing in this world at the moment. We can trust his heart. He loves us and he wants the best for us. He wants the sinner to come and repent. And that is, uh, and we don't know wh what he's doing, how he's doing, how long, but we know that it is because he wants to show mercy and grace. And it's because he loves the sinner that is going to a lost eternity. That is as far as the unbeliever is concerned. To the believer, we're going through difficult times today too. How can we find uh, peace and hope in God's uh, grace today? I've just got a few verses that I want to read just to encourage us uh, during these times uh, of difficulty. Hebrews 4 verse 15 to 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who, is, who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Then the, uh, the key verse, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need in our everyday life. We can find uh, mercy and grace through prayer. The people of Israel had to wait in the camps, in the tents far away, when Moses went to the foot of the mountain or up on the top of the mountain to speak to God and then God would uh, speak through Moses to the people. But we can go to the throne of grace directly in prayer and in God's presence and speak to God about our insecurities, our anxieties, our difficulties, our fears. And just, uh, yeah, and he listens to us and he gives us the grace. Uh, it's a throne of grace. It's a throne of mercy. If we've sinned, we can come there and uh, confess our sins and he will show us the mercy again, again through what Christ has done on the cross uh, for us, our great high priest. Paul writes then in 2 Corinthians, <coughs> the well-known verses about uh, the thorn in the flesh. 
And listen what uh, he says to us uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to, har to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should be, leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, my, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That kept Paul humble, not only humble, but also kept him going, that he could persevere, because God gave him grace. He gave him what he needed for that day, every day. And that's why he was contented and he could go through anything because he, the beginning of the day, the middle of the day, any time of the day, he was, uh, God was giving him the grace uh, and strength to, to, to live that day. Secondly, and uh, thirdly, we read in Ephesians 3 uh, about our uh, spiritual gifts. Uh, it's a gift that we get to be able to preach the, the gospel, for instance. Uh, we read in uh, Ephesians 3, verse 7, uh, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am very, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Even this time when we're locked in, we need to find opportunities to preach the gospel. And even in that, God gives us the ability, and it is referred to as the grace to preach uh, the gospel. Grace is also given to us uh, through spiritual gifts, uh, come by grace, to serve one another. And in this time of uh, lockdown, we can find ways of, of serving one another, and not just isolate ourselves. How much are we serving one another? Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. God gives us the grace, the ability to serve one another. Are we serving one another during this time of lockdown? Or are we just isolating ourselves, cutting ourselves off from the world and from uh, God? Um, lastly, during time of suffering, Peter wrote to a suffering church in 1 Peter 5, 9 to 10. They were suffering mostly from the gospel, for the gospel's sake. But because of that, they also had physical and other hardships that they had to deal with. We have to deal with the hardship of locked in us, being uh, uncertain of our jobs, our future, and so on. But Peter writes these comforting words towards the end of chapter 5, his first uh, epistle. Resist him, that's the devil. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. 
And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. We're in God's hands. Uh, we're not alone. He gives us this, the grace, the ability to uh, go through this uh, on a daily basis. And he will eventually restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. Very briefly on my third point, because the time has run out, uh, how should we respond as believers uh, to God's grace, mercy that He's shown to us? Firstly, in thankfulness and worship, living our daily lives in dependence on His mercy and, and grace, and not in our own uh, strengths. Dealing with willful sins in our lives, let us not uh, be caught in, in uh, sinful habits. Um, Peter wrote there in his book, yeah, resist the devil. Very important before God can show his graces, we need to restore that relationship with him. If we're caught in willful sins, we're also um, adding to the suffering of Christ on the cross. And we don't want to do that. Be holy as I am holy, we read in the, the word. As far as our relationship with others are concerned, let us extend mercy and grace to others. And if God blesses us with grace in certain, in certain things, let us not get proud or the, the pride in our hearts. Because whatever God has given us through grace, that is just because of grace, not because we are better than anybody else and just um, gain perspective in, in that way. So just in conclusion, the last and final thought, Peter writes in his very last book, in the last chapter, he gives a, a, a challenge to the believers. He says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. God has shown us so much mercy and so much grace. Let us grow in that ourselves um, as we relate back to him, respond to him, as we relate to others as we preach the gospel to a world, uh, a lost uh, world. If you've been rejecting God's mercy and grace up till now, and you're an unbeliever, just know that, that God is a merciful God, and it is a, is a gracious God, but He's also a just God, and so on. And we're living in a time where God is extending His mercy and grace to a lost world. How is how have you responded to this? Rejected the message? Turned a deaf ear to it? This will not go in favour. There will be a time uh, where uh, there will no, be no opportunity to ask forgiveness, where your sins will be punished and you will uh, give, be given what you deserve. The back of my, there's a painting there. It's a little old-fashioned type of a lifeguard. See, the lifeguard is not there anymore. The lifeguard has left. There's going to be a time where the lifeguard is not there anymore to throw out the lifeline or the life, the, the ring for the person who is dr drowning. The seat will be empty. You'll drown and you'll get the, what is deserved for eternity. And we, my prayer is this morning that everybody that listens to this message will be able to look back and say, 
God is a merciful and gracious God because of the great love that He's shown. He's died, Christ has died on the cross for me. I believe that. I accept that. I repent of my I've repented of my sins and believe that Christ is the only way. So that is uh, my prayer that we will all be in a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, who is the only way. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for these simple words, but very profound uh, from your word. And we pray that everyone would be able to have understood this message and just understand uh, what a wonderful and awesome God we serve. Over the many weeks, we've been blessed so much by just getting to know you better through the different characteristics and attributes. And we pray, Lord, that as I've said in the beginning, that it won't just be head knowledge, but this will be have touched our hearts and changed our whole way of thinking, our whole way of living, and living close to you and a life of uh, service and worship. And we pray, Lord, if there's any one year this morning listening to this uh, message who has not uh, yeah, uh, come to repentance of their sins and not into a relationship with you that will happen today. Today is the day of salvation and we pray that it will not be uh, put off any longer. We pray for each one of our, our people in our church again, Lord, especially those that are really struggling with finances and loneliness. And we continue to pray for our leaders and our families uh, in uh, the country and outside of the country, Lord. Uh, we pray that you'll give our leaders wisdom in this time to do the right thing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.